Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Getting together with, for a, uh, another wrap-up of another amazing week in such an amazing company over here. And uh, we couldn't wish for a better company, right? Well, if you could, please keep your thoughts to yourselves. But in any case, the challenge is amazing. And uh, the beer is, is somewhat called the Dr. Pepper's room temperature, but okay, what can we do? Um, and uh, we're getting back together again for another Chumash and Challenge here. That's right, amazing, wonderful food, amazing, wonderful company. And what a wonderful weekend. We're wrapping up with Parshas Mishpatim Shkolim. Mishpatim and Shkolim. And Shkolim is in the air. That means Purim is around the corner, Rabbi Sai. Purim is right around the corner. This is it. It's it's now. It's it's for real. It's for real. And uh, once again, we're in the month of Shvat slash February. So we thank our co-sponsors. We thank uh, our very own Shlomo Steve Novik for sponsoring. That's right. Was it Shvat or February? Uh, they don't exactly overlap. Shvat is almost over. February is still with us. For February. So you still have one more week then. Um, and uh, that's the, our our uh, the, the, the our staples over here, sponsored by Shlomo once again through the month of February. And we have some additives tonight. We have the beer and fruit, sponsored by a very own Shimon Duz, and it's Eli Nishmasoy, his his dear brother was unfortunately taken nifter last week. Um, so it's Eli Nishmas, Mayor uh, David Ben Mayor, David Ben Mayor. The Nishmas should have an Aliyah. And uh, Shlomo Novik and the entire uh, Novik Foundation is sponsoring it in, in, the, in, the, in honor of the son Aryeh. It should be a merit for Aryeh Novik and all of us. Okay, so L'chaim Tev Moshon Rabbi Yisai Baruch Atah Adayinoi Aleyheinu Melech HaYilam Shrakol Mi Bidborek So Oh, and we have a special guest over here. All right, L'chaim Ari. Hello? That's right. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, let's get down to business over here. Mishpatim slash Shkalim. We'll start with Mishpatim. If we have time, we'll talk about Shkalim. If not, we won't. We might have talked about Shkalim last year. I don't remember. But uh, Mishpatim. Let's start with Mishpatim. Now, Mishpatim is, is interesting in that what? Here, we could really say, what begins in Mishpatim? Torah. Torah really begins in Mishpatim. In Yisro, okay, we had the Aseris Hadibris. That was great. That was an amazing display. What, like, what a spectacle. What a, what a maimed. What an experience. The Ten Commandments, the thunder and the lightning and the fiery mountain. Okay, but it's pretty straightforward. Ten Commandments, you know, no, no, uh, nothing too complex, nothing too complicated. You know, five on one side, five on the other side. We have the positive, we have the negative, we have between man and man, between man and God. Great. That's Kabbalah's Hatoira. Kabbalah's Hatoira. Mitzkashrim, Mitzkashrim. Okay, Mitzkashrim. So uh, that was Yisrael, that's Kabbalah's Hatoira. Um, now, um, um, okay. Mishpatim, what do we have Mishpatim is where, where Torah really begins. And what do you mean by Torah? You know what you got in Mishpatim? You got Mishpatim. What do we have in Mishpatim, Rabbi? So anyone that's been uh, in, in, in yeshivas a little bit or or in, in exposed to yeshiva style learning a little bit, which I think all of us qualify for one of those two categories. Everyone here in this room has either been in a yeshiva 
or been Bar Hashem privileged to be exposed to Talmudists and had, had the privilege of learning with, with, with yeshiva products, correct? Everybody in this room falls into one of those two categories. So the Talmudic that begins in Mishpatim. In Mishpatim, what do you have in Mishpatim? You have the the um, not just the backbone, but uh, you know uh, we have quite a lot of um, quite a lot of of um, the ribs maybe and the rib cage and internal organs of of what we got Baba Kam over here we have Baba Mitzi over here we have Gittin we have Kedushin we have Ksubis a little bit of Kudshin. You got like a, a lot, a lot of shas is there in the mishpatim. You read through these pesukim, you see right away this is you know vastly different than we had in Yisro. Yisro is ten very straightforward, very user friendly commandments. Mishpatim, we suddenly have Torah. You got Torah over here. You got a lot of laws, a lot of rules, a lot of halachas, a lot of dinim. You have chayshe mishpat. You have yaradeya. The, 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 the Moyed Moyed comes into the second half of the parsha. We have the Shal Shregalim over here. We have Zroyim. You got Shemitah thrown in. All kinds of things going on in Mishpatim, and and it just picks up from this point in that. You know, then we have Mishpat. Okay, we take a break from the Mishkan for a few parshias, but then we have Vayikra rolls in with Teres Kahanim. So from this point, this is where Torah really begins. Everybody with me? And it's interesting that where Torah begins, which is in Mishpatim, beginning Mishpatim. With Torah and the arrival of Torah and the inception of Moshe's responsibility now to teach Torah to Kala Yisrael, Mishpatim begins with a machloikis between Moshe and God as to what the proper methodology of teaching is. How are you supposed to teach Kala Yisrael Torah? There's a machloikis, there's a debate between Moshe and, 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 and the Rebbe between Moses and God. Moses and God, excuse me, Rashi, Brings us down, slashes, alludes to this. There is a debate between Moshe himself and the Abishter, the Rebbeinu Shalalem. How are you supposed to teach Torah to Klai Yisrael? What debate am I referring to? So let me read the Rashi inside. That's an excellent question. Let's see. Let's let's get synchronized over here. We are in the beginning of the parsha. We are in chapter twenty-one. Verse 1. Chof Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. Chof Aleph Aleph. That's right. Chof Aleph Aleph 21 1. So the Pasuk says, we begin with the following These are the rules, the laws, the statutes that you shall place before them. It says Hashem talking to Moshe. God speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. And um, we got chairs, we got shawl, we got beer, we got fruit, we got flowers. Whatever it is you're looking for. Today Valentine's Day? Two days ago. Two days ago. You know, you know. That's right. Well, you don't celebrate Valentine's Day, but we celebrate the Shabbos after Valentine's Day. If you're a Jew, you celebrate the Shabbos after Valentine's Day. Why? Because that's when the flowers go on sale. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the be 50% off the Shabbos. It's good to be a Jew, huh? One of the perks. One of the perks. Okay. Anyway, um, so uh, so let's let's see the pasuk now inside. These are the statutes that you shall place before the Jews, and these statutes 
are, you know, all the halachas that are packed, packed, packed into mishpatim. So mishpatim is chock full. The majority of, 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 of the, the dinim that you find in the Torah are, are alluded in some shape or form pop up in mishpatim. Most of, of, of the orders of shas are there in mishpatim somewhere. Okay? And Hashem is telling Moshe, Moshe teaches this over to Klai Israel. What's this? So there's a debate. If we look carefully in Rashi, we'll see there was a debate between God and Moshe. What's the, what's the ideal teaching method? How should we teach? So look at this. A fascinating Rashi that Moshe and the Rebunshim have, have a different opinion on how, how you're supposed to teach. Moshe never states his opinion explicitly, but it's implicit in how God addresses Moshe. Let's see. Asher Tosim Lifname. So Reb Herschel, this is the second Rashi on the Pasuk. Asher Tosim Lifname. These are the laws that you shall place before the Jews. Don't entertain the following possibility. Don't tell yourself that you're going to do the following. I'll teach them the topic. I'll teach them the halacha. I'll, I'll review all the halachas with the Jews two or three times. I'll go through everything from top to bottom, from A to Z, two times, three times. Till they have it, as we say, arois. Till they have it memorized. Till they have all the rules, all the halachas memorized. Don't say that, Hashem says to Moshe. Don't say that, oh, I'm hearing all the halachas. I'm going to give it all over to Klai Yisrael. From top to bottom, a few times, two times, three times, until they have it all memorized. Don't teach them that that, that way. Why not? Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it? Who, who, what, what wouldn't we give to have Kol Tarakula memorized? Wouldn't that be amazing if we would know? Who knows all the 613 mitzvahs over here? Who knows all of them? Who knows all of the 248 positive commandments? Who can name 50 positive commandments? Imagine having, you know, 50. That's pretty. That's pretty pathetic. That one fifth. We can't even name one fifth of the positive. I mean, if we said that, maybe we could try to make a list. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, imagine having that knowledge. You can list every single mitzvah, every single halacha, know all the rules, and have them memorized. Hashem is telling Moshe, don't do that. I don't want you to do that. And by Hashem saying to this to Moshe, it's, it's implicit in the Rashi, that's what Moshe wanted to do. It's implicit, that's what Moshe wanted to do. If you read the Rashi carefully, Hashem's saying to Moshe, Don't think that you can get away with just going through all the halachas, all the rules, all the mitzvahs of several times that they have it memorized. I'm not going to try to give them the the underlying logic, the rationale, the ideas behind the scenes, what we call lumdis, what in yeshivas we refer to as lumdis. Who knows this term lumdis? Lumdis. Makirza lamdut. Ah, lamdut, lamdut. Lamdus ze svara havana. Okay? Lamdus means the, 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 the logic, the, the systems that are going on behind the scenes, the mechanics, the, um, the background, okay? That's, Lamdus always refers to, um, we, we could set up like this. Uh, a mitzvah is the what, right? What do I need to do? So what is I have to make a shahaka before I have a cup of Dr. Pepper, okay? So Moshe can teach them all those rules. Shahaka before Dr. Pepper. Ha'etz before melon. Before, uh, before, 
No, not melon. Yeah, I'm looking for something that that's how it's. Pineapple. Pineapple. The pineapple is also a uh, dama. No. Oh, papaya. There's papaya. Okay, how it's before papaya. Hadama before watermelon and melon and and pineapple. Okay, so those are all the what's. What do I do? There's a lot of list. There's a whole list of what's. Six hundred thirteen main what's and there's back then it's a sub what's. Okay, that's not lumdis. That's that's the halacha. Lumdis is the why and the how. Why am I doing it and how does it work? How does it work? Um, so. I have to make a shackle on Dr. Pep before I can drink it. Why? Why do I have to do that? Why? Is that because... Is that because it's usser before I make the bracha and the bracha makes it mutter? Is it that it belongs to God and the bracha makes it mine? And if I don't make the bracha, I'm like stealing, right? This is the why. This is the lumbus. And how does it work? How, if it's true that it belongs to God, which the Gemara does seem to indicate that, right? And by making the bracha now it belongs to me, how does that work? How is it that just by making the bracha now it's switched hands from God to me? Everybody got that? So that's lumdus. That's the logic. That's the rationale. That's the ideas behind the scenes. You can understand the why without the what and the how. The why is just, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. You can understand the what, the what without the why and the how. Yes? What is what do I do? So the Torah ultimately is a whole list of the what's. There's lots and lots of what's. Lots of lots of what's over there. What to do in this situation, what to do, 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 what to do. That's the halacha. The raw sheer halacha. The lambdas is why am I doing it and how exactly does it work? The mechanics. So what's the Rebbeinu telling Moshe? Moshe, don't just satisfy yourself with teaching Klaistral a long, long list of of what? Of rules. That's not good enough. If you say you're just going to teach them all the what's, um, and I'm not going to go out of my way to give them the logic, the rationale, the whys in the hows, the lumdas, everybody, we, I, we gave a very nice example. And that's that's really an example that, 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 that's similar to every area of the Torah. Every area of the Torah always has the what's and the whys in the hows. So says the Rebbein Shalom, that's, that's the wrong approach. That's not how I want you to teach and instruct Klaisal Torah. That's why the very first Pasik, which we just read, this verse, that's why Hashem tells Moshe, these, excuse me, are the laws of the rules, that you should place before them. Put Torah in front of the Jews. Let it be placed in front of them. Now here's something quite telling. It says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I want you to teach Torah how? In such a way that they just don't, it's not just about having a list of rules memorized, it should be in front of them. It should be open and, and, and present in front of them. And when is it? And how? What makes it open and present in front of them? Only if you give them the rationale, if you give them the lumbus, if you give them the logic behind the scenes. And Rashi concludes with a famous line, when you give Klaiso not just the what's, but the why's and the has, not just the rules, but the not just what bracha you make on what, but why you make a bracha, and how making brachas works, the svara, the logic, the rationale, the lumdis, then you are delivering them, placing it in front of them, and it's like a table that's set and ready to eat. A table that's set and ready to eat. A table that's set and ready to go. The table is set and ready to, eat, to be eaten by. And hence, this is the, the, uh, the uh, you know, well-known 
work, the magnum opus of Rabbi Yosef Karo, the Shulchan Aruch, Maram Beit Yosef, called it the Shulchan Aruch, his compendium of halacha, he lifted that, that the title from the Rashi that we just read, like a Shulchan Aruch that's ready to go and ready to eat. So, so that's the end of the Rashi. Now, now I want to, let's, let's stop for a moment and try to digest this Rashi, try to figure out what's cooking in this Rashi and try to understand what this difference of opinion is and why Hashem is so insistent that the teaching methodology has to be with giving them the lumdus, the logic and the background, why the rules is not sufficient. Okay, that's one question that has to be asked over here. Why, why indeed is, is, is it insufficient? Why is it not enough? Ultimately, the Torah is all about, is indeed all about knowing what to do when, right? A Jew has to know at any given juncture in, in life, at any given situation in life, you know, does this doorway need a mezuzah? Does it not need a mezuzah? Uh, can I still dive in Mayerv or can I not dive in Mayerv? Am I allowed to dive in Shachar's twice because I missed Mayerv yesterday or not? Right? How do I put my tefillin on? Are my tefillin, they have a little scratch over here. Are they kosher or are they puzzle? All of Yiddishkeit is knowing what to do when. But Hashem is saying the what's are not sufficient. Don't just tell them all the rules. Don't just tell them all the rules. you got to tell them the rules with the supplementary lumdus logic background, the ideas behind the scenes, the whys and the whats. So the questions that we need to ask to understand this is, why is that? Why, why is that the case? Why is it insufficient? What am I lacking? What am I lacking when all I have is the rules? I mean, if again, we would be so lucky if we would know all the rules. We'd have all the rules memorized. If we'd have the Shulchan Aruch, you know, which we refer to as Shulchan Aruch, the Sefer that was written to, 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 uh, give us a digest of all the halachas. If we would have Shulchan Aruch memorized, we'd be such lucky, fortunate folk, right? Imagine you could go through the day, you know exactly what to do, and, and when to do it. Every single time, every single place, we would know exactly all the halachas. So what's the matter with having all the halachas memorized? Why is it that Hashem is so insistent that we have to know the background? And let's ask another question. What's this analogy to the table that's set and ready to eat? That's a funny analogy. Isn't that a funny analogy? We're comparing learning Torah with the lambdas, with the logic, knowing the behind the scenes. Why, not just what bracha to make, but why I make a bracha, how a bracha works, you know, what am I doing when I'm making a bracha, what's the problem with not making a bracha, what, what's accomplished when I do make a bracha, what's shifted from before the bracha to after the bracha, right? That's the lambdas. And, and, and Hashem is saying they have to know that, and Hashem is saying when the Jews do know that, then Torah is like a table that's set and ready to go, like, like, a, like a, a, a table that's bedecked for the meal. As we would say, what shaykhis? What shaykhis? What's, what, what's this analogy of the table that's set and ready to eat? Um, in the context of knowing the, 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 the lumdus, the logic, and the svara, why, why is that the appropriate analogy? Everybody hear the questions about it? Like, what, what, what does one have to do with the other? Why is this the appropriate analogy for the person who knows not just the rules, not just the what's, but the why's and has the right way of 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 um, capturing that is the table that said. What does one have to do with the other? What shaykhis, as we say, as we say on the street, right? What shaykhis? So I want to explore both of these questions. L'chaim, l'chaim, shamashab and aliyah, and we should all all of us should have an aliyah, right? All of us, all of us. L'chaim, 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 l'chaim. Okay, so. I want to begin with actually a Maisa Shahoya, a real life, a real life story that happened to me this week. We give a Gemara here in the morning, doing Psachim right now in the morning. 
And Pesachim is a very exciting Masechta. Pesachim is really two different Masechtas. And the Rishonim already called Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. The first Pesach and the second Pesach. Pesachim is really two for one. Um, the first three and the last parak of Pesachim uh, are very practical. Have to do with the halachas of B'dikas Chameitz, checking your ass for Chameitz, getting rid of Chameitz, what's called Chameitz, what's not called Chameitz, and then... And then, and uh, baking matzah, what's called matzah, what's not called matzah, what's moror, what's what's called moror, very, very practical. And the last parak is all about making the seder. Um, we're going to be getting up to the last parak soon, by the way. Everyone's welcome to join us. We give the Gemara every morning at 7.40 a.m. 7.40 a.m. right after the first chakras, right before the second chakras. So, if you dive in the first chakras, just stick around for another 25 minutes. Again, Sachem. If you dive in the second chakras, Come 25 minutes early, and you'll get a little bit of psachim. If you don't have in shachris at all, we'll just come at 7.40 and join us for the Gemara here, okay? Either way, everyone's invited. Everyone's welcome. Come join us. Um, the last parak is all about making the Seder. And the middle chunk of Prakim is all about kachim. It's all about karbanis. Bring the Karm Pesach, and what happens when you mess up the Karm Pesach, and who's eligible for the Karm Pesach, who's not eligible for the Karm Pesach, what has to be what has to be there, what doesn't have to be there. Um... If, uh, Pesach Rishon, Pesach, the first Pesach, the second Pesach, very, very, very complex discussions, very complicated topics. So that's where we are right now. We're, 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 we're you know, maybe two-thirds of the way through the, the middle chunk. Uh, we just started the eighth parak this morning. We had two more prakim, then we're going to be on the last parak, which gets back into all the practical stuff. But but it's been like a little bit of a journey. It's been a journey, and everyone's been, been um, slugging it out. For the last three prakim of of uh, Karbanis, we've been going through all the halachas of the Karban Pesach. Some of the imagine some of our um, our um, the Bachram over here have done Mishnayis Pesachim at least, right? So you guys have seen Pesachim. There's two different types of two different Pesachos there. There's the practical one, and there's all the all the Karbanis, all the Kachim. So someone asked me yesterday morning, one of the members of our Shir said maybe we should switch. So learning something that's practical. So he, he toughed it out for three prakim of, of kachim, and there's only two left to go, and they were going to be in the in the 10th parak, which is, uh, again, that gets that's all the halachs of the Seder, the Seder night. So he said, you know, maybe we should do a Gemara that's more practical than this. And it's a fair question. It's a fair question. And what he really means to ask is, trans, translating the question, it's a question that, that, that anyone that's in a yeshiva or learning with... with, with uh, Gemara with, with the Chavrusa, learning with the Talmudist, anyone does find themselves wondering this and then and then even asking this, if you're brave enough, uh, the question of, like, what, what's really the point of learning Gemara? Um, at least if it's a Gemara that's going to be fleshing out for me the halachas of cooking on Shabbos, the halachas of carrying on Shabbos, the halachas of reading the Megillah, no, okay, I get that. I get this whole discussion is taking me towards, excuse me, Towards something that I can pack, it's something very practical. But we spent, you know, some some uh, thirty blats on the discussions of of bring a carbon that a we don't have the base on Mikdash. B when we have the base on Mikdash, I'm not the one that could be asking to bring the carbon Pesach. You know, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be busy with this. It's the Kaihanim. They're not going to be asking me. Um, they're going to have the Sanhedrin over there if things go wrong. Everyone finds himself wondering this question at a certain point in their life. What's the point of learning all that lumdus, the logic? The rationale, the principles, and ideas behind the scenes. What's what's the point of all, all, all the backgrounds, all the logic? 
especially when it's not so, so practical. Good, so I get it. You wanted me to memorize a list of mitzvahs. I'll, I'll memorize the entire list. And the Korban Pesach is one, is one of those piggle. Yeah, they have piggles on that list. Okay, great. Don't do piggle. Bring the Korban. Bring it properly. This is how you do the Pesach. This is how you do Shlom. This is how you do Chatz. But to spend, you know, page after page after page, blot after blot after blot, going through all the nitty-gritty, it's a fair question. And we can't be afraid to ask such questions. And there's no questions we, we, we're not allowed to ask. We know that already, right? That, something that, we're, that we pride ourselves on in, in uh, you know, Orthodox Judaism, in the, in the realm of, 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 of Talmudics, is every question can be asked, and the questions are prized. Questions are, are uh, promoted. And questions are very much appreciated. And, 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 and no one ever has to worry about asking a question such as, why do we have to learn all this and 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 get items hurled at them get, and worry about things getting thrown at them and getting branded as an apikaris, a heretic, a heretic, right? You'll have to ask any question. You'll ask, why, Rebbe, why are we learning the sugyo? Even if he says, you can't ask questions like that around here, right? No. You really could. You really could. You really could. Um, and this is a question I got yesterday. I got this question. as well. Maybe we should learn something more practical. I told him, you know, we'll take, we, we, you know, we, we are on a bit of a, a tight time clock in the morning because we have to squeeze the shear in between the first chakras and the second chakras. So we, I told him, you guys, this question is a little bit beyond the scope of this morning's talking shear, but we'll talk about it. And we're talking about it now. He is not here tonight, but perhaps he'll listen to the recording. I think he's part of our uh, WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp land uh, audience over there. But um, it's a fair question. People find themselves asking this question. Why, why, why all the lumdas? not only on areas that are practical, but especially in areas that aren't practical. And yet we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is insistent that Torah has to come with alumnus. Torah has to come with a background. It has to come with the source. And yes, we want those 20, 30, 40 blot of in and out and back and forth and shaklavataria uh, to get hammered out all that background and flesh out all the logic. We want that. And Moshe, don't just give them a list of rules. Don't just give them a list of halachas. Don't just give them a, a list of laws. I want you to give them all the background blunders. So why? Why? That's right. Why? Why is that? So the answer to this question is really produced from looking at our second question. What's our second question? Our second question was, why is Rashi giving this funny analogy that when you learn with the logic, when you learn with the lambdas, so your Torah is Ashatasim Lifname, it's in front of you. Okay, in front of me, I get it. I guess in front of me. But no, it's in front of you like a table that's set and ready to go. A table that's set and ready to dine at. The table that's set. That's what it looks like when I am learning with with all the background, Svara, the logic, the rationale, and the lambdas. Why the Shulchan Aruch metaphor? So it's like this. What does a set table give me? When I sit down, there's two ways of dining at a table. You can dine at a table that's set. When it's set, you have all the plates are the right plates are there, the right silverware is there. So everything's on the right side, correct? The right the right size plates and the correct arrangements of of the cutlery and, and and flatware and eatingware. Uh, the cups. How many different cups are supposed to be at a? Uh... Depends what you how much you're eating. Depends how much you're eating. The cups. Cups. What do you mean? Well, each we have an expert, by the way, over here. I don't know if you want this to be Each course has its own wine. Each course has its own wine. Yes. And are you allowed to have a cup for something that's not wine? Like a non-wine beverage? Water. 
water, but that's it. No, you can have something else. Too. No, you can have. Uh, Each let's, course let's, gets let's, its own cup of wine. You guys hear that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Now we know. Now I know. That's right. Um, uh, that's amazing. So, like, if you're gonna have fish and wine with the fish, and then like steak and wine with the steak. You're talking yeah. about catering in the place. No, no, no. He's talking. No, this is the, this is the right way to eat. Okay. What? Yes. So, so the, let, let's work with this. Let's work with this. Is this is fascinating? So the the right way to do it is you have one cup for every glass of wine, one cup for water. If I'm gonna have, you'll have to have carbonated beverages by. Uh, we're modern, so... Okay, so a cup for water and a cup for Dr. Pepper also? They're water and Dr. Pepper. Sure. A cup for liqueur. cup for liqueur, like a small one. So listen to this. Each each beverage gets its own cup. You guys hear this? So what kind of wine goes with the fish? Usually white. White wine goes with the fish, and with the steak it's red wine, right? For sure. Okay, so that much I know at least, right? Uh, so a cup for the white wine with the fish, a cup for the red wine with the steak, a small cup... For the scotch, a, another like a like a a, a, um, like a brandy cup for the glass. for the brandy, um, a cup for the water, a cup for the Dr Pepper, and that's just the cups, that's just beverages. And then I the salad plate, I have the hors d'oeuvre plate, I have the main plate, I have different forks, different knives, and then and then you have the dishes themselves, all the various dishes, each one in its own bowl, each one in its own plate, each one in its own place, each one comes out when it's supposed to come out. Okay. This is what Rashi is referring to, a shulchan aruch. Rashi referring to a table that's at the proper rules of etiquette, the proper rules of, of dining, of fine dining. That's as opposed to what? As opposed to a bunch of yeshiva guys getting together and having lunch, having the Shabbos afternoon pseudo. A bunch of yeshiva guys when David's not there. Yeah. And David's not there to monitor <laughs> things, okay? So yeshiva guys, they have one cup. They have wine, they have scotch, they have the bourbon, they have the... The brandy, but they only got one cup, and they're not bothering us in between. And they have one plate, and one fork, and one knife, and then everything on the table is like kind of haphazard. This has to this serving dish. They have to have, um, you know, put maybe the chicken and the meat together on one platter because they don't have enough platters, and they have they have uh, you know one big bowl, two different salads in one bowl. They're breaking all the rules left and right. Okay, that's the yeshiva guys. The yeshiva guys get together in their dira. And they have, I, I hope I'm not uh, triggering. That's right. Um, this is the yeshiva guy. So, what's the difference? What's the basic difference between the properly run meal where everything is isha machaneu, the ish al digloi, everything in the right place? Yes. Um, and, and the yeshiva guys getting together and having a suda together. What's the, the difference? The difference is like this. When the shochan aruchu muchan lecholifneo adam. The table is set according to the proper rules of, of fine dining. It's not just about etiquette. It's not just about rules and laws. It, it, it does two things. It accomplishes two things. A, it enhances and heightens my appreciation of every different element that's there. Now, I have a different cup of, a different goblet for each cup of wine. It enhances my appreciation of that particular glass of wine. That glass of wine got its own cup. The white wine that's there to complement the fish got its own cup. The red wine that's there to go together with steak got its own cup. It enhances and highlights my appreciation of each element on its own. Each element is enjoyable on its own. Each element is delectable on its own. Gets its own focus. Gets its own appreciation. Okay? That's Aleph. Bayes 
when you have a table that's properly set, it gives it gives me it gives me it gives me empowerment. It gives me control. It gives me the ability to run this meal in 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 in, in uh, a way that's going to work the best for me. Everything is in the right place. Everything is set properly. Everything is set appropriately. I am running the show over here. I have um, a whole array of cups to to uh, to work with over here. I have all these different dishes, each one in its own bowl, each one in its own container, and they're all distinct from one another. They're all separate from one another. You don't have to put all these different, the lump all the food together in one, one big pot. You, you know, you don't have to have one big serving bowl with everything haphazardly uh, just dumped inside. Everything is distinct. Everything is separated out, and it's there, and, 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 and it gives me mastery over the meal. I can do what I want with this meal now. I can do what I want with this meal. As opposed to the, the meal being a whole mishmash and do your best. There's a difference between do your best and do what you want. Is the meal there for me to enjoy and I'm the master of the meal? To my liking, to my tastes? Or is the meal a mishmash and it's not do what you like, rather do your best. Everybody hear the difference? So there's two basic ideas that go on when it, when I'm sitting at a table which is beautifully set, perfectly set. Again, each element, each item is appreciated, enhanced, um, is given individual focus, and I appreciate each individual element. And it's do what you want as opposed to do your best. And this is how we want Torah to work as well. At the end of the day, Rabbi Shem tells Moshe, don't give Kleiso a list of rules. Don't just give them a list of rules, even if they'll have all the rules memorized. That's not good enough. Give them the lumdus. Give them the logic. Give them the rationale. Give them the background. Because we want them to be sitting at a table that's set to eat. What do we want them to have? We want them to have an approach to Torah, which is a shulchan aruch approach. Meaning, if you give Yidin a list of rules, that's great. They have a list of rules. And, and, and they have the basic list of rules how to navigate basic situations. But what don't they have? They don't have any appreciation of the mitzvahs on their own. There's no appreciation of this mitzvah, this mitzvah, this mitzvah. There's no appreciation, just like if you give me one cup and I pour cup after cup of one goblet, and I have the white wine, the red wine, the soda, the Dr. Pepper, everything gets mixed together. There's residue, it messes everything up, right? The brandy and the scotch and the bourbon's all going to the same cup. I don't have any enjoyments at all. Yeah, I'll get each beverage one at a time, but there's no appreciation for each element distinctly because it's all going into one container. I don't see the individuality of any of these elements. I don't see any the distinction of, of any of them. And that's what happens when Torah is just a list of rules. If for, if someone's approach to Torah is just memorizing Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch, memorizing all the lo- rules, all the lo- laws, there's no appreciation at all for any of the individual elements. The only way each element, each, each halach in the Torah sparkles and shines and gets in, in individual attention, individual appreciation, is when I see the lumdus, the logic behind the scenes. Because what happens when I know not just what bracha to make, but I know why I'm making a bracha, and I know how that works, you see a principle. Not just a rule, a principle, an idea 
a vart, a yesoid, a fundamental idea, a foundational idea. You have a, a separate cup, a separate goblet, a clique for this mitzvah. It's given a distinct identity that sparkles and that's appreciated. Everybody understand? I see the distinctiveness of every aspect of the Torah. And you only get that when you have the lundus, when you have the logic, because then you see principles. I understand what a brach is. I understand what Shabbos is. I understand what boyer is. I understand what bishul is. I understand what I saw is. I see the individuality of every, every element in the Torah. And you only get this when you have the logic. Without the logic, it's all one big blur. You'll memorize a list of mitzvahs. It's one big blur. Everybody understand? And second of all, when I have the, the principles, when I have the lumbas and the logic, then what can I do? I don't, I'm, it's not, it's not um, do your best, it's do what you want. I'm the master of that information. You can memorize all the rules in the world. You can have the longest list of halachas, but there's always going to be a situation that's going to stump you. There's going to be something new that comes up that you're not going to be equipped for because life evolves, life is dynamic. We could have memorized the list of rules 50 years ago and then we could ask the Shiloh, what's the halacha of, of, of lab-grown beef? Is lab-grown beef fleshik? <coughs> is a cloned human being a person? Do you, are you chayv? Are you allowed to murder someone who's cloned from DNA? So the list of 100 years ago doesn't have that one on the list. Lab-grown meat. Is lab-grown meat... You have to wait six hours if you wait, eat lab-grown meat. Can you eat lab-grown pork? Is that treif? Is that treif? It might be, oh. It sounds gross. It sounds gross, but what's the halacha? What's the halacha? So your list that from 100 years ago is not, not going to be on that list. Torah is dynamic. Torah evolves as the world evolves. And situations in life may be very complex and complicated. Um, I went to sleep without davening my I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was half up, half asleep. I went back to sleep. I woke up again. There could be so many different situations in life where you might not find your exact, exact case there in the list of rules. How do you deal with life? You have to be empowered. You have to have a mastery of Torah in order to have that versatility to make applications on your own. The only way to make applications on your own is when it's the Shulchan Aruch. When the Shulchan is Aruch, when it's set and ready to go and ready to eat, I can do whatever I want with it. I'm the one in charge of the meal. I'm the master of the meal. When it's one big mishmash, I'm at the mercy of the meal. I'm never going to be able to make any personal creative applications because I'm at the mercy of the meal. I don't see anything, any distinctions. I don't see anything on its own. Rabbi Isai, this is why we learn Gemara. This is why we learn Lambdas in order, A, to get the principle of every area of the Torah, to see the beauty. Every mitzvah is a principle, is, is a fundamental idea, is, is a foundational yesoid. To see the beauty of every aspect of Torah, and for us to have that empowerment to make those applications on our own, to be able to apply, to, to, to address situations which were unforeseen, which were unexpected, I'm the mastery uh, of the information, and not at the mercy of the information. And this is what the Rebotion wants Moshe to teach, we should be zeicha, indeed, to have a mastery of all the information in life, and to always have our Torah, always be a shulchan, that's aruch and muchan, in front of us, and everyone have a wonderful Shabbos.